Gloria Bosman, Too Much Heaven, and before that, Bee Gees and Emotions. And keep them coming in. Look, it's the 24th of December and giving you the best of uh, uh, great sounds that we can on a Sunday morning right here on Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM. Catching us on 104 to 107 FM. So talking about the hyacinth, this one is a fascinating story because uh, we we are about to find out how our dams have been infected and literally taken over by the hyacinth. Um, Hartebeer's uh, Port Dam has been flooded by hyacinth uh, mats. 40% of the dam is covered. And uh, we're going to talk about the dangers of the species on water, plant fire, I mean, plant life, um, aquatic life in the area. How can this uh, invasive species be dealt with? Uh, Benoit Leroy, CEO of um, um, South, well, CEO South Africa, uh, South African Water Chamber, is joining us online to just unpack and to try and figure out if there's a way out of this. Good morning and welcome to Jet Set uh, Breakfast. Morning, Bertha, and to the listeners. So we have Hartis versus the hyacinth, the toxic dangers lurking undercover of an invasive weed. How did we get here? Where did it come from? You know, I always look at uh, life from, if you have a problem, there must be a solution. A solution could either be you find a chemical to kill it, but, you know, 10 years is a long time. Most probably, you know, there's just a struggle, which means maybe we are doing something as citizens uh, that keep on making this particular plant be as aggressive as it is. Or otherwise, we find a way. Um, is it edible? I don't think so. I don't know. But we get to find out what else can we use it for? Uh, that then can be uh, a positive way of making sure that, you know what, we use it for something that can enhance our lives or whichever way we put it. But anyway, just to give, to put you in the loop, if you've driven towards Hartebeer's uh, Port Dam and all you want is just to, you know, cruise on the dam and the dam is just green, you cannot even um, imagine you are unable to maneuver your boat, whatever it is, because the plant is just that aggressive. What is it then that we can do, um, you know, as citizens, as a nation? And apparently at some point, uh, they were actually thinking, not even thinking, they were contracted individuals uh, that were removing this particular plant physically. And I don't know how successful um, they have been, but I don't think they have been that successful because if they were, we wouldn't have to be having this conversation and it wouldn't be uh, a situation where we are still talking about it. It has not only affected Hardebeers, it has also affected other dams, which means it is being triggered by something. And what is that one thing? That's uh, triggering, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the hyacinth. So recent studies have shown that um, increased nutrients in, in the water, either or either from excessive sewage inflows or rotting plant, um, hyacinth uh, has increased the presence of microcystis uh, blooms in the dam. And microcystin is a, um, a cyanotoxin which is a, a toxic bacteria that just enhances it. I think our guest is back. We've, uh, we've got, I think we've corrected the line. Uh, Benoit Leroy, CEO, South African Water Chamber, chatting to us. Welcome back, Benoit. 
Thank you, Bertha. Much better by far. So I, I was asking earlier, how did we get here and where does it come from? Yes. So, you know, um, we, we have, you know, the population has, has doubled over the last few decades and we discharge sewage from um, Gauteng. Um, it's supposed to be treated uh, sewage from uh, various sewage works in Ekuleni, in Johannesburg and the West Rand uh, municipality. And um, this was all under what we call the special standard so that the phosphate would be below one part per million or one milligram per liter. Um, a very strict um, and stringent um, specification for sewage works that discharge into uh, potentially uh, eutrophic um, uh, lakes, like Harabesport Dam, which always tinkered on, on, on the edge. This was in the 1980s that those standards were put in place. So the population has increased since, and what happened is, even with the one ppm phosphate, which is phosphate is a natural nutrient as are nitrate, even with that one ppm, we would still have the problem. The, the reality is that, you know, we're putting in uh, double to three times the nutrients into a system that the volume is the same. How does your dam volume hasn't changed? Population has changed, the nutrients have changed. So you get, you get a high nutrient level, and that feeds um, the hyacinth. On top of this, the sewage plants, generally speaking, are not working to that standard. We know that 97% aren't. And also, we have a lot of ingress of untreated uh, sewage through informal uh, and semi-formal settlements. And what's happened is this is just a catastrophe because what you're doing now is you, you, you're feeding um, hyacinth, you're feeding cyanobacteria, and um, that, that's brought us to where we're at. So it's not just a matter of, of fixing the sewage works. We have to treat the sewage to more advanced, um, uh, you, know, you know, 2020 um, uh, global best practice and not what we were doing 50, 60 years ago. But also we have to sort out the informal settlement because the informal settlements um, uh, j just wash away. And, it, you know, this is an economic issue. So what we're seeing in order to dam is the barometer of our economy. Um, so that's really how we got there in, in, in simplistic terms. Mm. And um, which other dams, are, you know, have been in, um, affected? So there's, there's, there's quite a lot of dams. There's rivers. Uh, the Val River has been, has been affected uh, to a certain extent. But we have quite a lot of waterways, generally speaking, all over the country that have hyacinths. We've always had, um, you know, we've got very low rainfall, and our rivers and the rainfall relative to the population, uh, rainfall and rivers have stayed the same, population has increased. So what's happened is we've made, we've made that worse. So Hollipersford Dam is, is something that sticks out because it's pretty big. And it's got a lot of settlements around it, but also it provides irrigation downstream into northwestern Limpopo. And um, you cannot irrigate um, with foul water, especially with the cyanobacteria that have now popped up because of the deadly, you know, the deadly cocktail and increased temperatures. Um, so it is a national issue. And uh, the Department of Water Sanitation declared about two years ago at the Water Summit that roughly 66, 67%, so two-thirds, of um, our big dams were eutrophied. Mm. So um, that means that they are not necessarily as bad as Harvestual Dam, but they're on, on, on the cusp of it. So it's, it's um, you know, it's not a crisis, it's a catastrophe. This is, this is absolutely terrible because 
firstly, we can't use the water. Secondly, we're not going to get the food and the crops. It's going to generate unemployment because agriculture will will not be sustainable where we have this polluted water. But you've also got all of the people who live around the dam, these dams who generate employment. So there's Broca Sprite up, you know, not very far from us here, um, you know, to the east, which is another one that's also been suffering quite a lot. But how do we split dam? Is, it's a good barometer of the health or the, the sickness of our dam. Mm. And I was just looking at, at the document that says uh, DFFE appointed expanded public works program teams to manually uh, remove it. But, um, you know, the, these 10 teams on, on, on Hardebeersport dam, dam manually, you know, they've been struggling. Well, they are trying, but the last contractors were paid in December 2022. And how is that going? I mean, removing it manually is it is it is it something that can you know increasing maybe the the, the labor will it work not really it's, it's putting a plaster onto a very gangrenous uh, leg and um you know the plasters will not sort out the problem so um whilst we have to remove the hyacinth is um you know doing the same thing over and over and, and getting no results uh, shows that the, you know it's the wrong wrong approach. We have to sort out the sewage works. We have to sort out the informal settlements mm-hmm. and and the stormwater runoff. And yes, we're going to have to harvest them, but we're going to have to do it with I would say proper technology that we can remove the hyacinth at an adequate rate. But the problem is, what do you do with it? Because you don't want to spread that hyacinth around the country because those seeds can last for years. And you're just going to move the problem around. So what you've got to do is is destroy the seed, and that can only be with fairly high temperature composting, where the seeds I'm not too sure at what temperature the seeds are um, are sterilised, but it's probably over 70 degrees. So one has to produce a very um, high quality compost to to sterilise the seeds, and then and then you know and then use it. But you've got to be very careful that you don't spread the problem. But, um, you know, throwing money at uh, the plasters is not going, is really not the answer. We have to sort out the root cause. And with 97% of our sewage plants not working, mm. it's time we started fixing them, you know, and that's a municipal issue. And, and that needs to be done. But without, you know, oversight and consequences um, and accountability, we see the problem, you know, getting worse. We've been trying for 30 years to harvest the hyacinth and we have failed. Um, so, yeah, but we... we Yes, we've got to up the game on removing the hyacinth, but also in sort out the root cause of, of the problem. Yeah, that is so true. I think it's it's almost like a, a two-way setup. Why I'm saying a two-way setup, I know that um, in Kenya, for, for instance, um, they when, when they had an issue, they started harvesting it and actually using it for something that is positive, making bags and mats out of it, you know. Uh, I'm just thinking, look, if this is not working and the municipal, you're right, they need to do their job because also we just don't want to end up with no dams at all at the end of the day. Correct. Yeah, this is just one of many that has the problem and this is the visible one. So we have we have to sort it out. But the reality is they shouldn't be hyphen and it shouldn't be eutrophied. And now we've got um, cyanobacteria, which means that you can't even swim even in the open parts, the 60% that's not covered. Um, and also you're destroying all um, water life um, now because the cyanobacteria will, will kill everything off. But, you know, when you've got these invasive species, they also use oxygen. And, and that oxygen is needed for, for the fish and the likes. And um, so it's, 
it becomes a self-perpetuating disaster. And so, so we have to address the root cause. And, and yes, one could maybe you know, make clothing and things like that, but one has to do this in a very controlled fashion because we don't want to spread those seeds. Um, they're all over the place. And it, it's very hardy, you know. Mm. And we're just making it easy for it to survive. So how do we get these, uh, these municipalities to hear us? That's up to South African citizenry to hold the municipalities to account. And I don't know why we aren't doing it. We, we somehow, you know, have become very complacent. People use, misuse the word resilient. We've become very really complacent. We're not holding our local government to account. So, you know, um, if, they, if they're not held to account, they will not do anything. And they will fight over their own battles, as we see at the moment in a lot of the metros. We see that there's only one stable one, and it's reasonably stable at Cape Town, and it's spending in capital for water and sanitation more than all the Gauteng metros. So it's not just a matter of spending money, but it's spending money in the right place and getting maximum value for every rand you know, that's spent. Um, so somehow in Cape Town, people are managing to hold their local government to, to account. But the rest of the country, you know, we're not, we're not doing that. And until we do that, you know, I don't see how we can get these institutions to become functional again. Um, it, it, it's on our doorstep because you know, we elect government to deliver for us. Um, I think we've forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. I think we're like you're saying. I mean, there's this complacence. It's it's almost like uh, this tiredness has become order of the day. And um, the more we become this tired, really, we'll wake up with serious problems. But let's let's hope let's hope that something will be done, and let's hope that in conversations and maybe campaigns and and just you know being louder, we speak louder about some of these issues that we will be heard. Yes, there's a lot of NGOs doing that to getting quite good um, support from from business um, in trying to clean up in you know, our rivers and our coastlines. Um, so so that is being raised, and also a lot of time spent with with schools. Um, you know, to, to expose the next generation to these issues that need to be addressed. And obviously with people like yourselves over the media, we can raise awareness, hopefully constructively. Absolutely. Benoit, thank you so much for joining us. That's Benoit Leroy, CEO, South African Water Chamber, chatting to us about um, Hartis, Hartis, uh, Hartis uh, uh, versus the hyacinth. But it's not only Hartis, and many other uh, dams have been affected. You know, when you see that green, green plant, um, that infests our dams and you can't see a dam anymore. We really have a problem. But um, thank you so much for joining us this morning and have yourself a happy festive season. Thanks and to you and your listeners. Bye-bye for now.